Hello. Welcome to the Ranting Redneck Podcast. We didn't have an episode last week because I had to be out of town dealing with a death in the family and all of the things that occur with that. The first thing that I would really like to talk about this week is how horribly things are going with this troop drawdown, pullout, removal, whatever you want to call it that's going on in Afghanistan. There's no reason this had to be like this. You you have a strategy where your civilians are removed before you remove all your combat troops. And then you don't have your troops exposed like our Marines, soldiers, and sailors were in this terrorist attack that took out 13 U.S. service members. These were a bunch of kids. The oldest person killed in this attack was 31 years old, and most of them were 20 to 25 years old. I mean, these are kids, you know, some of these guys two and a half years ago, they were looking forward to graduating high school. They're people's brothers, people's sisters, sons, daughters, fathers, aunts, uncles, grandchildren. You know, they're they're people who made themselves a part of something larger than they are. And the responsibility that our government has to our armed forces was not honored. They did not put them in a situation to succeed. They knowingly exposed them to a terrorist attack that was preventable if this had been done in the proper manner. You never, ever announce a troop pullout and allow a hostile force to cut off your civilians from being extracted, being removed from the country. This should never have been taking place at the airport in Kabul, Afghanistan. These civilians should have all been removed from the country through Bagram Air Base when you should have maintained it secure and these civilians should have been protected to get there and be removed from the country and brought home. You should never, ever trust a civilian airport for that. You you don't allow, you know, it's to the point now that we're asking, begging the Taliban to let our people through so that they can make it home. We apparently gave the Taliban a list of Americans and Afghan allies that the administration wanted to be given a free pass to the airport, which is tantamount to signing the death warrant of many, many of these people. You have basically told a hostile terrorist force that here are the people that that betrayed you. You know, here are the people that matter to us. Here is the people you go after if you want to damage our efforts here and damage our image. The information the Taliban has includes biometric information on Afghanistan allies. They literally fingerprints, you know, addresses, names, any DNA records, any of that that is now in the hands of a hostile terrorist force. The 
13 service members that were killed in the terrorist attack at the airport were not, you know, it, it's easy for some people to detach themselves from that and say, well, they knew what they signed up for. They, uh, you know, that's, that just goes with the job and people that say that are people who have never done that job. People who have never, you know, these guys wrote a blank check on swearing to defend their country at any cost up to and including their life. But this is not, no veteran, no service member should ever lose their life in a situation like this. You have basically negated 20 years of American lives in allowing this this entire nation to be overrun by this hostile terrorist force when it didn't have to be that way. They, they were held in check during the Trump administration because they feared the consequences of not honoring their word. They knew that, you know, the moment their advance across Afghanistan started, if we had had strong leadership, they would have had hellfire raining down on them. I mean, it would have been the wrath of the entire nation would have been in their face. They would not have been allowed free reign to go from provincial capital to provincial capital, taking over and, you know, raping, murdering, pillaging, committing all the oldest sins in all the newest wonderful ways. If we had had strong leadership and an administration that was willing to enforce consequences for not following the agreement that was put in place. Briefly, I'd like to read for you the names of the service members that were killed in this terrorist attack. They were United States Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley McCollum from Bondurant, Wyoming. This young man had a child that was due in three weeks. He was 20 years old. He and a friend of his that were in the military were told a story that was told of, they were told, you know, basically the Forrest Gump advice, if something happens, run away. And he was quoted as saying, if we die doing this, we die doing what we love. This is a young man that put, took pride in serving his nation and was basically hung out to dry and sacrificed by the Biden administration in the name of, well, we're just going to get everybody out of there. And basically we don't give a shit what happens to the people. United States Marine Corps Colonel Kareem Nakawi, 20 years old from North Carolina or North Norco, California, excuse me. Can't read my own handwriting. He was a member of junior ROTC a member of the Air Force Junior ROTC, and it was said by family members that his he had always, his whole life, you know, since he was old enough to talk about it, had always wanted to be a Marine. This young man deserved way better, way better than what this administration gave him. The next name on the list is United States Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz. 20 of St. Louis, Missouri. He was another one that his whole life he had always wanted to be a Marine. And this one just 
kind of hits a little bit closer to home because he's, you know, a boy from my home state of Missouri. So you kind of notice those a little more. United States Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, 31 years old, 11 years spent in the Marine Corps, was described by some of the men he had served under, that had served under him, excuse me, as one hell of a leader, which to me, the best endorsement that a non-commissioned officer or an officer can receive is the compliments of those that have served under them. You know, that that speaks very well of someone. The next on the list is United States Marine Corps Corporal Deegan Page from Red Oak, Iowa. This young man was 23 years old. 23. United States Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Naus, Knoxville, 23, Knoxville, Tennessee, 23 years old. Sorry, folks, I'm not <laughs> real articulate today. This is kind of tough for me to to be reading through United States Marine Corps Lance Corporal Hunter Lopez 22 years old from Riverside California this young man had been a member of the Sheriff's Explorers and his goal when his service was over was to become a sheriff's deputy to go into law enforcement to continue serving the people of the United States this young man deserved far better than the chance this administration afforded him. Lance Corporal David Lee Espinoza, United States Marine Corps, 20 years old, Laredo, Texas. Sergeant Nicole G., United States Marine Corps, 23 years old, Sacramento, California. This young woman had been seen in a social media post days before she was killed holding an Afghani child that they had that was being extracted and commenting on how much how important that part of her job was to her she had also posted a picture of her when they were escorting people to be extracted and you know, she took pride in the fact that they were getting people out of that situation. She took pride in the fact that they were making a difference in saving lives. And this administration left her to be killed by a cowardly, an act of cowardice by a terrorist group. United States Navy Medical Corpsman Max Soviak, Milan, Ohio. This young man left behind 12 siblings. 12. That's a lot of family that this administration just left grief stricken by their irresponsible actions. United States Marine Corps Corporal Humberto Sanchez from Logansport, Indiana. Lance Corporal Dylan Marola, 20, Rancho Cucamonga, California. This last one, I'm not sure of the last name. I haven't had a chance to check it, but it's United States Marine Corps Sergeant Johnny Rosario Pichardo, 25 years old, Lawrence, Massachusetts. These names are young people who volunteered to serve their nation, who volunteered to be the one to keep the wolf away from the door. And this administration basically opened the door up and said, the wolf is going to be at your face. 
and they gave their lives trying to protect people who were trying to leave a nation that our government completely pulled out of in the wrong manner. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be getting out of Afghanistan because we should, but we did it in the absolute worst manner possible. And these young people paid for that with their lives. Reportedly, this attack was carried out by a group known as ISIS-K. Supposedly a sworn enemy of the Taliban, which I kind of believe that one terrorist group may fight with another. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, the old mentality when it's me against you, well, screw you. But when it's us against them, screw them. And I just, it's hard for me to say that there's complete separation between the two. The, there were a large number of ISIS fighters who were incarcerated or imprisoned at Bagram Air Base. And when the U.S. allowed Bagram Air Base to be overrun by the Taliban, these people were freed. They are now free to sneak into our nation to carry out these type of terrorist attacks anywhere in the Middle East that, that they see fit. And it was simply because our government did not, you know, Bagram Air Base should have been the point where all these evacuations were taking place. At the very, it should have been the absolute last place that we had troops. Military air base is always going to be more secure than a civilian airport. A civilian airport is probably the absolute worst place to be trying to evacuate civilians from a hostile area. The, the Taliban was helped greatly in overrunning Afghanistan by a humongous amount of American military hardware that was left behind when the Afghan army basically just dropped it and tucked tail and ran. And I spoke of that before about, you know, we kind of put them in a position to fail. We we set them up to be a mirror of our own military forces, which are designed to work with a certain amount of logistical support. And then we removed all of that logistical support all at once. And so they were kind of hung out to dry and don't misunderstand me. I believe that when your homeland is under attack, no matter how bleak it looks, you, you don't quit. You know, you, you signed that blank check up to and including your life to protect your homeland. And you don't, you don't stop short of that. You don't tuck tail and run, but just a brief listing of some of the things that the Taliban wound up with at the largesse, I guess, if you would say of the U.S. government and the Afghani military, who basically just left it and handed it over to them. There are 22,174 Humvees that were abandoned for the Taliban to take. There were, and I'm not going to read the entire list because it's a little bit silly, but 42,000 pickup trucks and SUVs, 64,000 machine guns, 8,000 trucks, 
16,000 night vision devices, 358,000 assault rifles. This is M4s and such as that. And these are legitimate assault rifles. These are truly military grade. 176 various artillery pieces. Thirty-three Black Hawk helicopters. Four C-130 transports. These are big troop transport planes. They're they're no joke. A number of smaller aircraft. And these are all things that now can be used against any military force we have there or any military force that the Afghans may try to muster. There's, you know, occasionally things get left in the combat zone, but you find ways to destroy them, to disable them, to make them useless to the enemy. You know, we, years ago, law rockets, you were told you fired it and then you wrapped that launcher around a tree because they were fiberglass and you could shatter it. The enemy couldn't try to reload it, put something in it. You know, you find ways to disable all this stuff. And first and foremost, you get your damn civilians out of the country. You know, we we heard a couple days ago about supposedly the Biden administration had launched a retaliatory drone strike and taken out two high-level ISIS leaders, which is the quote, you know, high-level ISIS leaders. I'm calling bullshit on this one because... We have not seen names. We have not seen anything that is proof other than administration officials like Jen Psaki, who is essentially a pathological serial liar, going on television and claiming they took out these high-value targets. If they legitimately knew and had proof that they had taken out high-value ISIS targets, it would be on CNN, MSNBC. There would be pictures. There would be names. We'd probably see the drone footage of the missiles hitting. This administration is in that bad a need of a W. They would make sure we were completely inundated with every bit of proof they could find to show that they actually took out high-level ISIS leaders. You know, we and we have no information other than them saying, well, we killed a couple guys. Back in the 90s, our embassy in Kenya was bombed, and Bill Clinton claimed that he retaliated. Well, his retaliation was a couple of cruise missiles fired at an old abandoned training camp out in the desert. There was no nobody there. There was not anything there in use. It was literally an abandoned facility that he launched some cruise missiles on. And I'm kind of getting a lot of the same vibe from this. Hey, we retaliated. We didn't really do shit, but we're going to tell you we retaliated. You know, we can show you that we launched a couple missiles from a drone. We can't show you what they hit or who they hit or any proof that they really even hit any damn thing. But hey, we retaliated. And then this morning, apparently, there was a strike on a vehicle supposedly full of suicide bombers headed for the airport in Kabul. And from what I've seen, 
there may well have been more civilian casualties than there was casualties among the quote unquote pickup load of vehicle load of suicide bombers. You know, the, until I see proof, I, this administration has made it very clear. They are not above shoveling bullshit over the top of a problem to hide it. And until I see proof that there's actually been concrete action to help solve that problem, it's, it's difficult for me. I take everything with, I don't think grain of salt is really the way to say it. I think mountain of salt is probably a better, better, more descriptive term. The other thing that we're seeing in Afghanistan is apparently we have some non-government organizations that have been going in former veterans and people that have a little bit of money that they can throw at it and going in and helping extract people and some of them bringing some of them to the airport in Kabul, some of them into neighboring countries. There's, you know, I've seen posts on social media from people that were involved in this. And I hate that all this information's out there because you, you know, that the government is going to try to shut that down and, try to paint them in a horrible light as being somebody getting in the way or when it's really people that actually do give a damn trying to actually make a difference. And today it was announced that the, and this isn't completely confirmed, but it seems to be credible that the state department has told nations that neighbor Afghanistan that they are to not allow private aircraft that are involved in these unsanctioned non-government operations to land, to refuel. So if that's true, it looks like apparently the State Department is doing everything they can to try to continue hanging people out to dry, leaving them to be tortured, murdered, you know, basically just saying, Hey, you're on your own. Whatever happens to you happens to you. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people with all this equipment that was left to the Taliban. I've seen a lot of people say, well, they don't know how to use it. They don't know how to maintain it. And some of that was done. You know, a lot of the maintenance was done by civilian contractors that were pulled out, but we trained Afghanis on this stuff. We trained some of them how to maintain it. We trained them how to fly it, how to drive it, how to shoot it how to make it work. And then we gave the Taliban a list of Afghanis that had worked with us. And they also now have all the Afghan military records, you know, having taken over the capital and the quote unquote president of Afghanistan just tucked his tail and hauled ass. So they have all these records now. So what all they have to do to find people to operate this equipment is go through those records. Those records will show who was trained to fly a Black Hawk, who was trained on how to use a specific artillery piece, or, you know, people were trained how to use this stuff. And when they look through those records and find that, they're ruthless. They don't care. They, they have no scruples, no standards, no conscience. They're basically tens of thousands of sociopaths that don't care what they have to do to accomplish their goal. They're going to find these people. They're going to say, hey, you got a choice. You come fly this Blackhawk for us. Or 
we torture your family and kill them in front of you. And, you know, I like to think that, you know, everybody says, well, that wouldn't bother me. I just, I just have to have to tell them no bullshit. Very few people in this world would actually have the testicular fortitude to see that happen. And I don't know if I'd even call it that because I think that, well, it's just a horrible thing to have to think about. But I think the majority of people are going to look at that and say, well, you know, those are my kids. That's my wife. I, okay, show me the cock, you know, show me the helicopter. I'm going to go fly it or I'm going to go show you how to set this artillery piece up or I'm going to set up this communication system for you. You know, we, we're basically handing them our embassy in Afghanistan, in Kabul, that has secure communications. It has secure rooms that are, you know, that are listening device proof, that are soundproof, that things can't be heard. SCIFs, you know, secure communication facilities. We're basically handing them that. We have, they have become gone from being a fringe group that kind of stayed in the shadows because they knew that if they stepped out of line, there would be consequences. And now under this administration, they, they have no fear of that. They, they don't feel like if they step out of line that, you know, they will get bombed or they will get hit with hellfire attacks or they just, and a few well-placed airstrikes at the start of this, when they first went mobile could have halted all of this. But they know that's not going to happen. So now they're going to be going and pulling those that helicopter pilot out of his house. Or they're going to be pulling that communications technician out of his house and telling him, hey, you know, we're going to kill your family, but we're going to torture them first. We're going to get to see it. You're going to get to see us rape your wife and your daughters. And you're going to get to see us behead your children. And because they don't care. They have no conscience. They don't care if it accomplishes their goal. They believe that... Allah justifies it, that they're somehow righteous, no matter how heinous the acts they commit are, if it's accomplishing their goals, if it helps Islam. And so they're going to have helicopter pilots. They're going to have comms technicians. They're going to have somebody to fly that C-130. They're, they're going to find ways to make use of this equipment. There are people out there that retired from various countries, militaries that use our equipment that if you offer them enough money, they'll come teach you how to use it. You know, it, we're going to see this stuff and it's going to come back and it's going to bite us in the ass. There's no two ways about it. These Marines that were killed, I'm sad to say are probably not the last we're going to see. There's a, very good chance that this is going to turn into the ugliest and the largest hostage situation, American citizen hostage situation in history. You know, Jimmy Carter allowed people to be taken hostage at our embassy in Tehran, but it was not thousands and thousands of Americans. You know, it was, and if you notice that ended when we got strong leadership, as soon as Reagan took office, Iran said, nope, not going to challenge that guy, and they released our hostages. We're not going to see that with this administration because they're weak. They have no resolve. They have no spine. They're worried about world opinion. They're not, you know, and world opinion can kiss my ass. If that's American citizens over there, you do whatever is necessary to get them out 
to rescue them to guarantee their safe passage back home. Anytime that you have your people somewhere, there should be no limit. There should be no line. It should be you take whatever time is necessary. You do not accept an arbitrary deadline from a hostile terrorist force. You get your people out. You take no chances on you send whatever military force is necessary. You you do what you have to, but you get your people out. At no point do you allow American lives to be risked other than what is necessary by sending military force. The bottom line of all of this is we are watching one of the biggest pooch screws in the history of the world. And we have an administration that doesn't care. They want to make it, you know, make excuses. Well, Donald Trump negotiated this deal. Well, you know, we're not responsible for that. Well, there's nothing we can do about it. And it's all a bunch of crap. It's, you know, Donald Trump negotiated from a position of strength. He made it clear that hellfire would rain down on the Taliban if they violated the terms of their agreement. 2,500 troops kept that nation at peace or as much as it's ever going to be at peace because the Taliban knew that those 2,500 troops were backed by the entire might of the United States. We no longer have that. It's a pathetic situation to see, and it's at the very least, it's heartbreaking. At the very least, it is absolutely just heartbreaking to see our citizens trapped there and not knowing if they're going to make it home safe not knowing if they're going to see their loved ones again, to see their loved ones here, not knowing. This should never exist when it involves what should be the most powerful, most respected nation on earth. We no longer have that respect. We're no longer considered a world leader. We're no longer the big dog that you don't bark in their kennel. And it is... It's just heartbreaking, and I cannot believe that we have allowed our country to sink this far, that we have allowed a puppet to be installed in leadership. And let's face it, we can talk about the 25th Amendment all we want, but the alternative is absolutely no better. Cackling Kamala, you know, doesn't, she takes nothing seriously. She doesn't understand the gravity and the responsibility of her office she's just you know she got by on biology she was selected because she was black and she was female she wasn't selected because she was qualified she wasn't selected because she was popular she dropped out of the primaries because she had almost no support within her own party so let's not act like the 25th amendment is some kind of saving grace you know we can we can take Uncle Sniffy out of office, but suddenly we have cackling Camilla, and it's a frying pan fire situation. 
the until we see a return in this country to a position of strength to having the fortitude to resolve the will to do whatever is necessary we're going to be pushed around like what we've seen the taliban and isis k and special k and whatever the hell else you know everybody now sees that we have become the world's kickball you're going to see fallout from this this doesn't stop with afghanistan do not be surprised if you see china going after taiwan if you see russia going after lithuania ukraine we were always kind of the the roadblock that people said well if we do that the u.s becomes involved and you know, as the Japanese found out in World War II, you did not want to bring the U.S. into regional conflicts. Now, people don't have that fear. They don't have that respect. They don't look up and say, we can't do this because this will bring the U.S. Now they look and go, who gives a shit? You know, they're going to sit back. They're going to lead from the sidelines. They're not going to lead. They're going to sit on the sidelines. They're going to say, well, that's not our problem. But in the world today, everything is so interconnected that a lot of things that I wish weren't our problem or didn't involve us, they do. You, you know, you see that in how trade has become globalized, how everything is, the economies are so global. Everyone else's, our economy is connected to other countries. Our, you know, we can't set on the sidelines like this we can't set that precedent we can't let the whole world see that we have become this weak stepchild that everyone can kick around and beat on but that's the precedent that has been set by this disastrous absolute catastrophe that has been the troop withdrawal from afghanistan the i hope we don't see more casualties among our military but I'm not going to be surprised. I'm going to be saddened, shocked, and very angered by those things. But I'm not going to be surprised by them because they do not have the support of our country's quote-unquote leadership of the idiot that we have squatting in the White House. He has no resolve. He has no idea what's going on, quite frankly. And then, then while our service members were coming into Dover Air Force Base, while standing there next to Nanny Mom Jill, after lowering his hand from his heart, our quote-unquote president had the balls and the gall to look at his watch while our dead servicemen were being brought home. To give a shit what time it was. I don't care. I don't care what time it is. I don't care where you think you need to be. I don't care what you think you need to be doing. That is... Our brothers, our sisters, our nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, fathers, mothers, grandchildren. That is our people coming home. That you cost their lives. You gave the orders that put them in that situation. At the very least, you stand there. You don't look at your watch. You don't look around. You stand there and you show respect and honor to those people that are coming home wearing a flag. You, well, you, sorry, this just 
angers me something terribly to see someone conduct themselves in that manner when they're supposed to be the commander-in-chief of our military. These lives should not have been lost. These people deserved far better than what our government gave them. They deserved to be protected. They deserved to have an opportunity to defend themselves. This should not be happening. I don't like our troops being involved overseas. I don't like seeing people sent places. And like I said, we should be getting out of Afghanistan. But it should not be done this way. It should not be our troops being put at risk like this. And until we get better leadership, this is what we're going to see. And it's terrible. It breaks my heart. It, it just tears me apart to see what our country has become. The, the people that were killed in Afghanistan, and we're going to see more. We're going to see civilian casualties because we're not going to be able to protect them. We're not going to be able to escort them to the airport. We have basically, we asked the Taliban to do outer security at the airport before this bombing happened. We asked a terrorist group to do security and to help keep our military safe. We asked a terrorist group to protect our military. I can't describe it any better than that. That, that is a perfect microcosm of how screwed up this administration and their policies are. I, I can't do any better than that. That's the best description I can give you. And with that, I think that's pretty much everything we've got for you to this evening. And we'll be back next week with hopefully something informative. And hopefully the news is a little better than it was this week. If you appreciate your listening and appreciate your time. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. And if you don't tell us, on, we're on Twitter at Redneck Ranch Pod. And if you're, you can leave comments on most of your podcast services. Uh, so we'd appreciate your feedback and thank you for listening. And hope you tune in again next week.